Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast. My name is Tukey, joined as always by the illustrious, incomparable Crash Andrews, and we are recording this edition of the show just moments after Christian Cage told Adam Copeland to go fuck himself in the middle of an AEW ring. <laughs> I fucking uh, love wrestling, man. I do. Are are we seeing the best Christian Christian yes. has ever been? Yes. Jay, Jay Russo has ever been. Yeah. I mean, I'm someone who watched his, you know, entire like TNA run, which uh, was, I think, previously his best work. You could argue um, some of the work they did with Randy Orton in like yep. 2011, 2012 over the world heavyweight title. That was very good as well. Um, this run, I think because of how unexpected it was. You know, after all that time off, comes back at the Royal Rumble and then leaves because they had nothing for him. Sound mm -hmm. familiar? And debuts in AEW is doing okay out of the gates. You know, he he comes in and people were like, oh, that's not the biggest name ever. But sure, Christian, sweet. And like he wins the Impact World title off of Kenny Omega and he was doing well. but. The him turning heel on Jungle Boy, breaking up Jurassic Express, right. and then only getting better from there. Like the moments, and I don't know if you remember the match, but he and Jungle Boy basically had that like buried alive match. Yes. And the moment he went down in that casket and came back, Christian Cage has been the best he's ever been uh, in his career. Listen, I, I, I feel like I don't want to bring up what it's done to Luchasaurus just yet. I hope we have time <laughs> on this podcast because I, I don't know what else we're going to talk about <laughs> during this podcast. It's not like anything major happened in wrestling over the weekend. <sighs> um, uh, in light of the fact that it has absolutely deflated Luchasaurus. Worth it. I have zero argument. <laughs> I have zero I argument. Love, I love Luchasaurus, man. Right. I have the first ever uh, Jurassic Express shirt that AEW put out for sale. I huge fan of the tag team, huge fan of him. Fucking worth it, man. Like if you had to kill his momentum so that we get Edge versus Christian in AEW, I'm fucking here for it. You know what? Even before Adam Copeland uh, joined the ranks. Like, if you went back and, like, the button on the left is Luchasaurus uh, getting a AEW, a valid AEW heavyweight title shot, or getting this type of Christian, but it means Luchasaurus has to wait two or three years, because now, like, it's not like we're going to have anything decent for Luchasaurus over the next little bit. Mm. Like, what what button would you push? You'd push the Christian button, mm -hmm. and that's where we're at right now, right? Yep, 100%. So just, I don't know, I want to say quickly, they really fucked over Luchasaurus. <laughs> <laughs> like, even the moment where he looked at the belt and held the belt for the first time, the TNT title, just before he lost it to Christian, 
Um, that was an amazing setup for what could have been one of one of the best feuds AEW has put together. Just the long-term storyline, the continuation of that. But now, after what happened, and we'll get into it, but after what happened on the weekend, um, seeing him still beside Christian, like, now he's the heavy again, where he really should have been the focus, and thank God he's not. I think... My take on it is this, and obviously, you know, we didn't have to be like, hey, guys, did you hear that that edge? Yeah, right. AEW? <laughs> no. Like everybody knows at this yes. point, it's the biggest thing in wrestling right now. And it's insane. Like the the Wrestle Dream pay-per-view, of course, delivered. It was too long. They always are. The pay-per-view itself, though, delivered because, of course, it did. Um, I can't believe like has anyone checked on Darby Allen to see Ooh. if he's alive? <laughs> Like, can we just can we just like talk about that for a second before we get back to the edge, Christian, all that stuff? How is Darby Allen alive and for how much longer will he be? It's it's like they realize that they screwed up the first spot and said, fuck it, let's try it again. (laughs) That's exactly what happened is I feel like they were like. So the spot we're talking about is the main event was Christian Cage, Darby Allen, two out of three falls. Right. Uh, Darby gets the first fall on him on a surprise pin, which was really nice to not have the, you know, the heel win the first fall. And then, oh, here comes the big baby face come back. Uh, Christian loses the second fall or excuse me. Darby loses the second fall by getting counted out after Christian body slams him from the apron to the floor. And originally it was going to be on to the steps of the steel stairs, but it looked like it was a, oh, I can't do this as safe as I can. So he put him on the floor and then they did it again. And then he went shoulder first. into the But he, but he still smashed into the steps. Like yeah. it looked like lower back mm-hmm. uh, first step met oh, yeah. uh, unsafely. And they're Darby going- Allen. It, Sorry no, to interrupt. Just, just really, I'll, I'll finish really quickly with it was like, no, that's not what we planned. Get back up here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm sure that was Darby's call. He that's is fair. the modern day Jeff Hardy. Mm, I would. The, uh, no, no, let me finish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He is the modern day Jeff Hardy in that he grew up watching Jeff Hardy. Yes. And said, you know, he didn't quite get close enough to killing himself. <laughs> I can do it better. Yes. So I, in I, that way, he is the modern Jeff Hardy because you take what is old and amplify it to be new or right. put your own twist on it. Yeah. And then what? how do you amplify Jeff Hardy doing the crazy shit he did by doing the even crazier shit that Darby Allen's done on AEW television? The, the only argument that I had that I was going to go with is he... I will give you Jeff Hardy, but I was going to go with Mick Foley only because Mick Foley would do all the stupid shit for the fans. Mm, that, but you know, that's Darby fair. Allen is more athletic, so I would sway towards the Jeff Hardy, where Jeff would really only jump off ladders, and I know that that is just absolutely <laughs> uh, putting his talent into just the tiniest little box. 
-hmm. but Jeff Hardy didn't throw himself off the top of the Hell in the Cell before the Hell in the Cell was one of the uh, was a safer complex mm. <laughs> than what Fair. we see today. So I I would tend to say he's a little bit more a more athletic Mick Foley. That's fair. To that point, Adam Copeland debuts at the end of the match, saving Sting from a concerto from Christian um, in what is still one of the most bizarre visuals, I think, in wrestling history. The idea of you look at Edge's career in the WWE, the retirement, the return to in-ring action, and now a departure mm-hmm. to AEW. And that's one of the coolest things about his his jump is that, number one, thankfully, AEW exists. Whether or not right. someone's an AEW fan or not, it's fucking cool that it exists. And the idea that to end a pay-per-view, you had Darby Allen, Sting, and Edge standing in a ring together is just I, so bizarre, yet so cool. Like, the only thing they... well. I don't consider Sting an impact guy. He was, but Mm -hmm. he was WCW. He bled WCW, whatever color, purple, purple and yellow. Um, Like he was there. You could get, we don't need to get into the Ric Flair, Hogan, Sting, anything. He was not their Triple H WWE, you idiots. Um, <laughs> this is what a packed arena looks like sting. It's like, Oh my God. Okay. Um, Ugh. yeah, that just that imagery at the end and to even hear, um, edge Adam Copeland reference it in the, in the, the press conference afterwards mm. saying he's never been in the same ring as sting before, mm. which makes sense. But on the same token, absolutely doesn't. Like you just think that like all these guys that have had these storybook careers and have had the company on their backs should have met up at some point, mm-hmm. should have stood face to face, could have been at a Survivor Series or a Royal Rumble or or whatever. But just the the paths that everybody has gone, that's the first time with what's Edge. Uh, what did he say? He's. Is he 45, 49, somewhere around there? I think he's 49 years old. Yeah. He and is Sting was 49. Like, he will be 50 on October 30th, later on this month. And Sting is like 65, 63. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right with 63. Just to get the exact age, he is 64 years old. Okay. So, but think about this too. Like, Getting Hogan and Ric Flair in the same ring in their 60s. Now, granted, like, Edge isn't in his 60s. But get those two in the, in the ring in their 60s. Are you jacked up to see that match? I would be, yes, as a big fan of both of them. <laughs> I don't Because at that point, it's not about the quality of the match unless it's an abject disaster. Right. Um, you know, as right. long as they were both smart enough to say, here's my limit of what I can do. Otherwise, you get an Undertaker Goldberg Saudi Arabia match. Exactly the the reference, or a um, Shawn Michaels Triple H versus Brothers of Destruction, like, <sighs> yeah. right? But these guys can still go. And the only other thing that I'm thinking about when we're talking about this is 
how much they screwed up Sting in WWE and how much they actually screwed. Think about this. Think about it that did they screw up the career of Edge Adam Copeland in WWF, WWE? No. Did they really drop the ball with his return? Yes. There is only one image any wrestling fan should have wanted out of that run, and that is Edge holding the title one more time. They gave it to Hogan. Mm. They kind of gave it to Flair with the tag teams and the IC title, never really gave him the title. They gave Brett the U.S. title. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure did. Much much after his expiry date, all respect to the hitman, but way past his expiry date. Uh, and this guy can still go and still give you matches. And I, to this day, still believe Edge is the rightful winner of the triple threat match between Roman Reigns, Brian Danielson, and Edge, because Edge pinned Brian Danielson first. I don't care who was on top. I will not acknowledge the tribal chief on that one. Edge should have walked out with the title on a uh, not think, a technicality. But think of how important it is that Roman has the title for over a thousand days. Doesn't that make it so much more impactful, even though he never fucking wrestles? I, I can sense the sarcasm in your voice. And there's what? part of me. No, no, no. There is part of me that understands it. Like, do you stop? If that if the long-term plan is where we are now, then I understand it and can kind of be like just bad timing, right? But mm. if they didn't know at that point and they saw the reactions, and the man, the man's coming back after like. He even said himself, like, he takes a bump the wrong way within that seven years. He had to wait seven years to come back, and he comes back, and he signs mm-hmm. with your company. That that doesn't necessarily mean a whole heck of a lot, but it also means, damn it, did we ever want to see him holding the title one more time? And, and I mean, he made he, the the plea for that on social media as well. Yeah. You give him the Royal Rumble... And then you just throw Brian Danielson in into the same. And I get why. I completely understand why that happened. But I, I hate when somebody wins a Royal Rumble and they go, oh, yeah, this guy deserves a, a shot as well. <laughs> the only <laughs> time that's 30 men. The only time that's ever worked out is WrestleMania 20's main event. Yeah. In yeah. my mind, in my eyes, yes. at least, because it was the Sean Hunter feud for the world title that was going on for a couple months. He who shall not be named wins the Rumble. But then Sean, during the contract signing, comes out and super kicks he who shall not be named and then puts his name on the deal. And then Eric Bischoff's like, well, I signed the legal document. It's right. a triple threat now. And it's like, all right, cool. Like, that's the only time it ever worked out because the match was a. That that WrestleMania 20 main event, man, it is a fucking whopper of a match. It's so fucking good, and I'm never going to watch it again in my life. I, I would say the other one was, as much as I'm crapping on Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan being added in the one, his win at WrestleMania, where mm, Batista fair, fair. won. Yep, that's a fair point, actually. But Although the logic... Bati- yeah, that's fair. Never mind. The logic behind it, was you don't deserve it. You have to get through Triple H on the same night. Mm. Right? If you mm-hmm. really want this and you really think you deserve to be there, you have to beat one of the all-time best. 
mm. earlier in the night and then take on two of the all-time best. So what we're learning tournament. is that it works when the underdog babyface actually wins the fucking title in the end. <laughs> <laughs> and in the instance of Edge, Roman, Brian, Roman kept the fucking title. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, no, the, there you the, go. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to put it into a nutshell, fine. <laughs> so to get back to dynamite tonight, though, yeah. uh, it was their four year. It's crazy. That, Can I, sorry. I, I just, I wanted to take the moment and explain how cool this was to share with my son. Cause I did tweet. I can't mm. remember if I tweeted it on my, um, what I like to call my fake account or my IRL account. <laughs> ah. But um, I actually got to interview Edge uh, 2013. He had just retired. Uh, he was at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. Got to ask him how his neck was. We talked nerd stuff or whatever. Um, my son was three. So he didn't get the impact of how cool this was. Right. He was asleep when Edge returned for at the Royal Rumble because he had school the next day. Mm -hmm. And I... I have had zero, uh, zero, I will absolutely admit I cried when you think you know me hit. And I wish I ran and grabbed my son and shared that moment with him. We sat, I, I fell asleep <laughs> through most <laughs> of Wrestle Dream, <laughs> but I woke up just to see Darby Allen's first fall. And the fact that it was the main event, you knew something was up. You knew like right. the rumors had a pretty darn good shot. And when they broke to the cinematic, we both looked at each other and we knew it was happening, but there was still like a, this could be somebody else. Mm. And when, I don't know if you noticed it, but the overhead view of the muscle car speeding mm -hmm. down the road had the word rated R mm -hmm. on the road. We both looked at each other like, did you see that? <laughs> and it was at that moment I had to sit back because I was having I was having man tears over how cool of a moment. Uh, Adam Copeland is in my top three. It's Brett, Fair. it's Sting, it's Adam Copeland. And just to see all the success he's had over so much um, trauma and how hard he fought to be the guy, got to be the guy, and had that all taken away, rightfully so, due to medical issues. Right. Um, and to see him come back so much later, and father or not, just to be able to share that, to to watch it happen, and to be to be able to share it with my son, um, very very impactful. One of other than the Royal Rumble, probably one of the most impactful moments that uh, that I've experienced as a as a wrestling fan is to see him now go somewhere where you know a, a fresh start again, which was absolutely amazing. Sorry to digress. I you know no, I just okay. when we talked <laughs> about it, I texted you. I'm like I'm still on the high of mm -hmm. him being there. Um, that this this was the thing that I wanted to kind of get across was. This was a very, I get it's a huge moment for wrestling. It's a huge moment for fans, but just for me in general, I just, I wanted to get that one out there. And it's just such a, a cool thing as well, obviously, that 
you know, he has essentially the entire presentation aside from the name, which let's be honest, losing the name Edge. Yeah. Isn't that big of a law? <laughs> right. It's really right. not. He has the music. He has the rated R superstar tagline. It's him. It's just yeah. him. He just showed up on a different show. That's it. Now, when when he came out, I've listened to his his theme music and the beginning and everything like that. Did they change it up? I know it was um it's the Glamazon that yeah. actually recorded this one. Right? Yes. Beth Phoenix actually recorded the new one. But right. I'm pretty sure she says you think you knew him. Or it's either no know or knew, but yeah, it's definitely him as opposed to me at this right. stage. Uh, which, which I is think also is, a cool change. I I think with the 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 new address, the new yeah, the new uh employment place of work. Uh, we heard that and we again, that was another moment of like looking at each other like did they did they change that up? Is that is that actually what they said? <laughs> and we we actually had to watch it back and yeah, just it was, it was but as much as I will pump the tires of all of that, I will say that the the cine, the the movie him coming out, it just it felt a little drawn out. I would have rather him just ran out there and speared the living shit out of everybody. I think that was the point though. You know, the idea of like we're just going to keep hitting you over the head with what's about to happen. Right. You know, we're going to, oh, here comes someone to save the day. Oh, it's Sting. I mean, yay, right. Sting, but it's Sting. Well, And, they and then the, they set up Sting for the concerto, and it's like, <gasps> and then they play the, the cinematic. The Nick Wayne turn as right. well, mm -hmm. right before. That was huge. Like, that could have ended the show without yeah. the rumors. That could have absolutely ended the show without the rumors. If that ended the show with the rumors, <laughs> that would have been kind of rough. Yeah, that would have been bad. But also like the logic behind it, you know, the numbers three on two edge comes out. Adam Copeland comes out. I love that Christian was kind of holding people back just to be mm -hmm. like, he's on my side. Well, no, because like if you watch him, he's still kind of like looking at him like this could go wrong, but I'm kind of I want to mm. see how this plays out. But again, getting the best work of Christian, getting Edge where he is, I wouldn't say at the top of his game, but he sure as hell isn't anywhere close to his expiry date yet. Um, very, very cool, regardless how long that that <laughs> debut actually took. The only thing that was more awkward was Jeff Hardy coming out and dancing while his brother was getting <laughs> beaten up. <laughs> There's just something about it. I loved it. But on the same token, like uh, you walk down, there was a cin the cinematic, you know, and then you sat there with the, the, the chair for. It's wrestling. Though, man. It's wrestling. Like, there's it's always that where that you could have been there sooner. Where the hell were you type of thing? You know? Yeah, but you know me, I have to have a bone to pick with everything. I can't That's just you're a wrestler, man. Exactly. I I need perfection, and I rarely get it in wrestling. Mm. Well, I thought tonight's Dynamite was close. Not the show as a whole. The show as a whole was fine. It wasn't going to go down as a, a top-tier all-time Dynamite, but they capped it off with Adam Copeland coming out, and credit to the crowd in uh, Stockton, California, uh, right there with the Adams, uh, Adam chants, which... Um, <laughs> You know, even he acknowledged, well, that's a bit weird, which was funny. <laughs> um, and it leads 
to him asking Christian to come out and then giving him the speech of we should be a tag team again, which is, of course, the natural thing that you think people are going to want to see. So, of course, you tease that. And then, like I said, they eventually hug as like, oh, my God, Christian said yes. And then obviously on on television, it was censored. But if you watched on the fight app, um, which a lot of people would like in the UK and everything, uh, it's uncensored. So literally, you get to hear Christian tell Edge, go fuck yourself. (laughs) And he leaves the ring. (laughs) It's incredible. And, you know, it it all leads to next week where he'll have his first match against Luchasaurus. Sorry, Crash. Luchasaurus is going to lose that one, too, probably. Um, Why does he have to be the sacrificial lamb? Like, I get again, I get it. But fuck, they're burying him so badly. (laughs) Did he like did he like? screw tony khan's sister or something like that like this is this is like he's on tv at least yeah as like he's almost the comedy relief he's the fall guy for christian yeah that's a pretty good spot to have on tv no (laughs) (laughs) it is it is except for him he's a monster he should be uh, beating people up and eating their brains or something i don't know just i don't disagree with that either but it's not the spot that he's in it allows Christian to be even more of a chicken shit heel, which is why I'm okay with it. 99 times out of 100, I think I'd be like, all right, this is fucking stupid. But it's just that idea of it allows this Christian character to be that much more fleshed out and, in my opinion, impactful that he consistently hides behind a monster. Right. And and I'll give you that if... The, the the moment that popped in my head was the finger poke of death. Of doom. Like, of doom, sorry. If Luchasaurus in that match gave Christian the title, gave Christian the win because he understands, then I would get it. Then I would understand where he is. Then I understand that he's just the guy behind the other guy and will get his shot down the road. But how they played it of having that moment of like, I've never really touched this. Having the the uh, commentators talk about that might be the first time that he's actually touched the belt. Mm. You know, like everything that was built up was to split those two up. Now, granted, the timeline is that match happened. Edge's contract's up and he talks to AEW for the first time after that match. Mm. And you can't have Adam Copeland come in and take on Jungle Boy. You can't have him come in and take on Ricky Starks. The The logical move here is Adam Copeland, Jay Russo, get them in the ring. Whatever their names are, who cares? It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Right. At the expense of Luchasaurus. <laughs> Which, again, is a more than Fair fine trade. trade. Especially to, like, I think Edge's promo tonight, or Adam Copeland, I mean, whatever, who cares? Um, you know, he alluded towards the fact that you know, as much as Christian thinks he's using Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne, they are equally using him and will eventually turn their back on him. Yes. So that could easily be the story is eventually, yeah, Luchasaurus just rips Christian's fucking head off and says, I'm done being your fucking lackey, gets back on track, and then that can be Christian's face turn. Right. Um I, I am with you in that it is a shame <laughs> that it has to be Luchasaurus that sacrificed for this. But my question, yes. who the hell is the alternative? Right. No, I, I 
again, you can't I have under- him hiding behind Kip Sabian, you know? Um, Cage. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, the, because that's yeah, all he does. Brian that's all Cage. he's good for in, in AEW. Yeah, that's fair. Brian Cage would have been a decent fit. But you no, know, I, again, I get it. I, and again, like even just talking about the timeline of how everything happened, it's, it does make sense. I've just like, we talked about the natural born thrillers last podcast. We sure and, did. Like, I am a big fan of making sure that if the younger generation that you're trying to build comes out of a feud with a older generation star, the younger generation uh, wrestler should still look pretty darn decent coming out of it. And Luchasaurus doesn't. That's why that's at the moment. Right. But right now we're talking right now because we don't know what's going to happen. Two or three podcasts from now, we're, we're going to reference this moment in our podcast and you're going to say, see, and I'll go, yep. <laughs> but like, I, I've always been a fan of the new generation versus the old generation. As much as I really don't like CM Punk right now, what he did for Ricky Starks was huge. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the Owen Hup, the Owen Hart Cup win. Mm. Like, Stuff like that. I I truly believe uh, there's so many references or instances of it, but ROH, when um, when the Hardys were on the way out and back to WWE, they gave the rub to the Young Bucks, who probably didn't need it at the time, but definitely took advantage of it. Like, d- you, you want to make sure that the younger talent is protected, at least their image, at least their future. And right now, Luchasaurus is probably one of the lowest rung wrestlers that they have right now. Just kind of how everything's lined up over the past couple weeks. This is the hill that Crash Andrews will die on. Um, That said, I think, again, (laughs) very, very exciting times. And then obviously uh, it's a big week next week. Like, I don't get into the ratings discourse at all. I don't give a shit. It's not my concern to worry about it. I just enjoy TV products for what they are. Uh, but it is noted that AEW and WWE will go head-to-head next Tuesday. Let's not sugarcoat this and say, oh, it's AEW and NXT. It's not. WWE, for a good amount of time now, have been treating NXT as a third brand, again, as opposed to what NXT 2.0 was, which was on an island to itself. Mm -hmm. Um, They have repeatedly had Dominic Mysterio on NXT. Becky Lynch, it's a third brand, especially now that they're going head-to-head with, again, a a company that at times they've tried to downplay as competition. Boy, it sure seems like they want to win some mythical ratings war um, given that they are at, they have added John Cena and Cody Rhodes to NXT next week. Don't forget um, the advocate. The advocate's going to be there as well. And Paul Hammond. So I'd, again, I'd that, that's my only Paul thing Hammond. is the benefit to this is that, hey, if you enjoy NXT, NXT will probably be better this week. Although I would say it's less like NXT when they just kind of push Cody Rhodes and John Cena onto the show for reasons that are very obvious. Um I don't know. At least that's when I started to fall out of love with NXT was when they were treating it as a third brand 
And then they're just like, yeah, but hey, this this cool thing. It's like, well, no, I just want NXT to be NXT. And then you're clearly using it for different motives. But regardless, it, in theory, makes for better shows across the board, more interesting and exciting shows across the board. So the fans win at the very least, regardless of who has a higher viewership number the night of, according to an archaic fucking system. Anyway, that's the hill I'll die on. Hi, how are you? Remember when uh, NXT won Survivor Series? Sure do. And that was one of the greatest nights of professional wrestling or sports entertainment or whatever you want to call it because everybody wanted it to happen but didn't expect it to happen. Hmm. And WWE actually gave the fans what they wanted for the first time in quite some time. Hmm. Like that black and gold era. Like, I don't know if they'll ever be able to recapture that. And they, they botched it by giving us everything we wanted and then taking it all away because they think they know better. Which, again, I don't know how to book a wrestling show. But I know how I feel based on how you book a wrestling show and then you tell me I'm an idiot because I got invested in what you gave me and then you took it away. The fall of NXT can be uh, its own podcast at at a different date. I will say that. Um, but with that, I mean, we could sit here and, and, and gush about Adam Copeland. Both of our uh, our lists consist of uh, our top 10, if not top five, top three consists of uh, his name, among others. So I've, I've got one that might put those two together, like the okay. two Adam Copeland and NXT next week. Does. Does NXT bring out. Jade Cargill. I don't I don't think you have to at this point. Like if you already have Cody and Cena, then right. I mean that just seems like overkill and honestly at risk of like overshadowing. I mean, what's the point aside from hey, she was on that other show, but tonight she's on our show? It's like who cares? Depending depending on what they do with the main event, I could see them running Cody, I could see them running John Cena, I could see them running Paul Heyman as segments within the show. Mm. But if the lasting impression of next week is Jade Cargill destroying whoever is in the main event, I will say man or woman just coming in and that's the last image is Jade Cargill. I think that's a win for WWE. That's fair. I also think that when we talked about, we kind of, we haven't really touched on her coming over. We did a little bit, but we did talk that the trade was one for one. I don't see how WWE wins this trade. <laughs> I don't think they lose it though. I know like the whole idea of like, okay, it was Adam Copeland for Jade Cargill. It works out for both performers. It works out for both companies. Like both performers get what they want. Bottom line is more mainstream attention. You're going to get it from WWE than AEW. That's clearly what Jade Cargill wants. Good for her. Adam Copeland clearly wanted to be able to wrestle more frequently and take advantage of this renewed opportunity that he has. He'll be able to do that more in AEW than WWE. They both get incredibly marketable people uh, that can help them. Like Everyone wins in that scenario. I And I get we talk about right now because we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I bet you by January we will have a clear-cut winner and it'll be AEW. I, I I honestly don't see 
it's the McMahon not really doing what he should be doing with talent that he brings over. He's going to squash Jade Cargill, build her up. It's the Cody Rhodes. Um, it's like, I don't see it going. It'll be a short-term gain, long-term loss for Jade Cargill. That's And that's how I see uh, it really turning into as opposed to what edge Adam Copeland is going to be able to do in AEW. He's going to have the, the storybook ride to end his career. Well, from one, uh, from one person who you thought their career was over, uh, to finding a, a second life in, in the wrestling world and to another, why not? How's that for a segue? Let's get to the whole day in history again. Shout out to TJRWrestling.net for this lovely bit of information. Crash Andrews, October 4th. It's the date that we're talking about, of course, the date that we're recording this. And we start off back in 1975. Would you believe that's before my time? <laughs> Long time there, ago. there was a moment in time to you where I was not born. <laughs> Go on, go on. I know you got something and you're 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 holding back. Go ahead. The Big Bang was your birthday. Okay. Right. 1975 uh was my, the infamous my parents out of this. <laughs> <laughs> was the infamous plane crash involving David Crockett, Bob Bruggers, Mr. Wrestling Tim Woods, Johnny Valentine, father of Greg the Hammer Valentine, and one Rick Flair. Um uh, in which None of the wrestlers passed away. Unfortunately, the pilot did, uh, having uh, passed away two months after the incident, after uh, falling into a coma. Um, Johnny Valentine, he was confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Ric Flair suffered from a broken back. And despite multiple doctors imploring him to retire, he very much did not. Wrestling as recently as last fucking year. <laughs> Still wants another match, too. <laughs> and still wants another match. Um, obviously, you can't you can't compare spinal stenosis to a plane crash and a broken back, but spinal um, spinal. spinal. It's, it's still kind of a crazy aspect of the whole Ric Flair story is the fact that it could have been over before it even started, which which adds to his legend, but also is very interesting that. They never really touch upon it in in like the hallows of Ric Flair. You never hear of the plane crash. It pops up every once in a while, but right. he's done everything else so that that didn't define his career. <sighs> There's another one here that I was uncertain just because, I mean, how much can we talk? It's Ric Flair. Like, we don't have to sit here and be like, and here's all the things he did after 1975. <laughs> it speaks for itself. Um, 1999 is the next uh, notable one here. No disrespect to 93 that mentioned a WCW tag title change, uh, which was Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Two Cold Scorpio defeating the Nasty Boys. Um, 1999 was an episode of Nitro. And... This is a really well-remembered edition of Nitro. This was wrestling's return to Kemper Arena in Kansas City. 
uh, was the main event, Bret Hart and He Who Shall Not Be Named, their their tribute match to Owen Hart, um, who, of course, passed away in the same arena five months, almost, you know, yeah, about five months earlier. Um, I, what can you say about this either? You can see why I'm just like, ah, oh, shit, do I bring this one I, up? Because I wouldn't be able to do it. Anybody who thinks that we're going to, like, let's put aside the fact that it was Chris Benoit. In this right. instance, I think we should mention that it was Chris Benoit at that time, one of the greatest wrestlers in professional wrestling Mm -hmm. and somebody who trained with the hearts. I'm okay in this moment. We'll define We'll close the door on it when we're done. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't know who Brett goes in there against. That would be a better choice than Chris Benoit. Bruce Hart. (sighs) Keith. (laughs) <laughs> was Stu I'm, no, I'm a Keith I'm a Stu Keith passed away a long time ago. yeah <laughs> no, Keith, well now Stu is still exists. alive at this point get Stu in there yeah um, have him have have it be Brett and Stu against I don't fucking know have Stu stretch Disco Inferno <laughs> eat your discipline take some discipline <laughs> in his Boston Bruins winter jacket yeah. From Survivor um, Series 93. Yeah. I will say this about it. I've got an older brother. Owen was the younger brother. I've got an older brother. If something tragic happened in a certain building at a certain spot, I'm not visiting that spot professionally or unprofessionally, improfessionally, um, five months later. Whether to pay tribute to him or not. Mm. I, I I don't think I could do that. So holy shit for Brett to put on a match and God, imagine it was anybody else. And if Brett couldn't do it, who else could have carried him? Mm. Not too many. Like the fact that it was Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit could, whoever was falling apart in a match didn't have it that night. He would take over and make sure that it, it, was the best that it could be. So, right. you know, we, we really shit on Chris Benoit for obvious reasons, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, good on him for this moment. We have our first event review. <laughs> Will I watch it? <laughs> Will Crash Andrews go back and watch Hell in a Cell 2009 live from Newark, New Jersey, the first Hell in a Cell branded events. Okay. With a card featuring the opening oh my god, the opening match Hell in a Cell Undertaker and CM Punk for the World Heavyweight title in which Taker clowned him for ten and a half minutes and won the title. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've got no recollection of that because I thought WrestleMania with their match at WrestleMania was their first match, which happened afterwards. Which isn't the case, no? 2009? Interesting. It also featured a singles match for the Intercontinental title, John Morrison and Dolph Ziggler. Um, Should be banger. Should be banger. Should be. They got 15 minutes, too, so they didn't get shortchanged, which is a good, good. sign. Good. 
Mickey James defending the Divas Championship against Crash's goat, Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox. I love Namdar. <laughs> um, Alicia, for a female wrestler, left a lot to desire. Had a so, hell of a scissors kick, though. Eat your heart right. out, Booker T. Right. Holy shit. So I that don't don't at me don't at me that you know you you use the women's matches for the washroom break but this would be my washroom break. I mean that was the reputation of the division at the time though. You know? That's fair. Mickey James could work, but mm. Alicia Fox Tried. could not. Just for saying. the unified <laughs> WWE Tag Team Championships. Stop but... unifying belts, by the way. Stop it, <laughs> idiots. Batista and Rey Mysterio shortly before Rey Mysterio found out that basketballs don't hold grudges. Batista and Rey Mysterio take on Jericho. Two two Hall of Fame tag teams. Honestly, <laughs> how how entertaining was Rey and Batista and Jericho was just fantastic. Chris Jericho Honestly, Chris Jericho in a suit, his best work. Mm. He's not doing terrible work, but Jericho, Chris Jericho in a suit, uh, bringing prestige back to tag team titles, IC title and heavyweight title in a suit. Chef's kiss. I'm for it. I want this match all the time. Hell in a cell for the WWE championship. Can you believe it? John Cena versus Randy Orton. Good on them for having a Hell in the Cell at this era that did not include Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, or Mankind. <laughs> oh, you just wait for Shawn Michaels. Yeah. That one's yeah. coming up, isn't it? It is. Yeah. What do I In have? The shortest... Brown pants. <laughs> In the shortest match on the card at four and a half minutes, Drew McIntyre and R-Truth. I want to go back and watch Drew McIntyre start in WWE. The chosen one. Yeah. And like to see his body of work now versus what he was doing back then and getting that nickname was the worst thing they could have done to him. Mm. So do I, I want to see this match only to see was he doing the same level of work or did he need to go overseas? Did he need to um, grow up to be the wrestler that he is today. The second one. <laughs> the second one is the correct answer. There. Triple threat match for the U.S. Championship. Jack Swagger, The Miz, and Kofi Kingston. Should be banger. Should Eight minutes? Yeah. Like, Jack Swagger scares me in any situation, and not because it just he seems stiff, but... I, I, those three, plus the Miz, come on, Miz never does anything terrible. Even when Sean, or when uh, Shane McMahon blows out his quads and has to have Snoop Dogg beat him <laughs> up, he is phenomenal. <laughs> in the main event, Hell in a Cell, Triple H and Shawn Michaels against the legacy, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase Jr. I thought this was going to be the, the brown pants match. 
Oh, no, it was uh, Survivor Series 08 in the uh, Elimination Chamber. Gotcha, gotcha. He might have worn brown pants. Maybe he wore a tribute to that attire at this event. Don't search uh, Ted DiBiase Jr., but what the hell yeah. happened to that guy? Uh, he and uh, his father and brother might not be the greatest of people. Everybody's got a price. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's getting a prison sentence. Ha 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 ha. Well, at least Crash they stole, Andrews. At least they stole money from the church. <laughs> oh no, they used the church to to steal money. Oh, I got you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Damn it. Yeah. Good, good Christians, right there. Um, yeah. That said, Crash Andrews, would you go back and watch Hell in a Cell 2009? Yeah, yeah, and like I said, to see like early uh, Drew McIntyre. Um, to see Dolph versus John Morrison, and that's not a recency bias. I, I said it before. Dolph it was one of the hardest workers that WWE has ever had. You want to talk about putting somebody in the ring to carry somebody? That is Dolph Ziggler. So, there's a lot here. There's some that I would absolutely fast forward through, but there's there's enough here that I could sit down with a, a bag of popcorn and enjoy myself. Well, let's see if you can say the same thing for this event six <laughs> Why years are you later. Smiling like that. <laughs> Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. I'm well, actually, no, it was still TNA. It was TNA Wrestling's Bound for Glory 2015. Okay. The opening match uh, for the X Division Championship, an Ultimate X match, a luchador by the name of T. Gray Uno. Andrew Everett, <laughs> DJZ, who was now known as Joaquin Wild on WWE television, and Manic, aka TJ Perkins. Uh some. Just what I know of I was a I was a big TJ Perkins guy uh when he was on the Cruiserweight Classic until mm. I found out his political afflictions. There. Next up, a 12-man gauntlet match where the winner gets a title shot against any champion of their choosing. This match featured Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Anderson. <laughs> Kennedy. Jesse Godders. Oh my God. I'm a big brother guy from back yeah. in that era. So yeah, yeah. I'm in. Eli Drake. Yeah. <laughs> With Al Snow. <laughs> yes, please. Aiden O'Shea. Um, Pardon? Who wrestled in the WWE very, very briefly as Ryan Braddock, also known on the Indies as Jay Bradley. Mm. Robbie E. Yeah, uh, I'm familiar. Mahabali Shira. Gazuntite. <laughs> Tyrus. Okay. Uh, I. You mentioned something about... coming out of one end. Now we got something that comes out of the other. Yeah. We, we got to talk. We got to talk about Tyrus. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> uh, Chris Melendez. Chris Melendez. Why do, um, ooh, he was why? a, um, a one legged uh, wrestler. He uh, lost his leg in Iraq. So good okay. on you, sir. Tommy yeah, Dreamer. Is, this, is, this, is that still fat Tommy Dreamer? 
2015, so yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Abyss. Yeah. Happy birthday to the monster Abyss, by the way. Oh, Future Royal Rumble entrance, Abyss. Just once, please. Just once. Give me Abyss in the Royal Rumble. Just, I don't care if he's number one. Just get him in there. Get him out of there. I want it. And the final entrance, D'Angelo De Niro, the Pope. Yeah. So it's quite a collection of talent. Why does Abyss, Eli Drake, or who's the first that you said? Anderson. Why do I think one of those three won it? Because all the other names were trash. <laughs> and your winner, Abyss. Tyrus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I he won. See, the reason I want to have a conversation about Tyrus nope, is not happening. The next fuck. match fuck. Uh, was for the TNA World Tag Team titles. The Wolves, Davy Richards and Eddie Edwards against Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins and Trevor Lee, a.k.a. Cameron Grimes. Interesting. Interesting. Peaks my interest. <laughs> For this, the, is a, this is not a golden era of TNA, is it? No, I was done. <laughs> I was already done at this point. Right. I was, man, from 2003 to 2010, I was as diehard with that company as you could get. I was already, I was already off the boat at that point. I, I jumped. It was, it was done by that okay. stage, hundred uh, percent. One of the reasons why for the TNA King of the Mountain Championship, Jeff Jarrett. Bobby Roode against Lashley. Okay. I would not be upset with that match. In theory, it should be good. In For theory. the TNA Knockouts Championship, Gail Kim and Awesome Kong. I was never a Gail King. Uh, Gail King. Gail, yeah, Oprah's friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, TNA awesome brought Kong. in every other fucking celebrity they possibly could, so. I was never a Gail Kim guy, and not being a TNA Impact guy, I feel like I missed out on her best work, so there is, there's a side of that that interests me, and there's a side of that that, eh, whatever. In a career-threatening match, I believe the storyline at the time was what was if Kurt Angle lost, he would have to retire. The Ric Flair WrestleMania 24 story. Mm -hmm. uh, Kurt Angle and Eric Young. Is this stubble? Kurt Angle? I think so. Like stubble beard, stubble balding head? Like looking like a, a third-tier mafia actor in a movie. Yeah. Kurt Angle. Like if... if yeah, if... If Kurt Angle ran the Mafia in a straight-to-DVD film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Eric Young is a solid worker. I would love to see these two fight. And in your main event, three-way match for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship with special guest referee Jeff Hardy, Drew Galloway, mm -hmm. Ethan Carter III, and Matt Hardy. It's, I mean, that should not be a main event anywhere. <laughs> but 
for the Intercontinental Championship. Yes, for the European title. (laughs) (laughs) For the 24-7 championship. There is something about that match that I would like to see, but yeah, that that should not have been... If they were thinking they were were competition for anybody, that should not be a main event. Crash Andrews, are you eager to go back and watch Bound for Glory 2015? I would say out of of a 10, because I could say yes. Out of a 10, I would probably put it around a four or five. There's not a lot there that I, I'm nostalgic about or like, hmm, interesting. I definitely want to see these two work. Like maybe a Bobby Roode Lashley at that era, maybe. But yeah, there, there's not much that I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. There's a bunch with, uh, with um, Hell in the Cell. Mm. that I, I would love to go back and see. That one, I'd probably put it around a, a six and a half, seven. But this one, yeah, it's a solid four or five. We there is something one. there, but not enough for me to like absolutely be, oh my God, yes. Well, maybe this will do it for you. All right. We have one more event to talk about. From 2019... WWE SmackDown airs on Fox for the very first time. No, I don't want to go back. I know what happens on this one. I do not want to go back. The one of the <laughs> dumbest moves they've made in the past decade. <laughs> he has Toogie, Toogie, think about it. He has not invoked his rematch clause. He's not got a rematch. Whoever could you be talking about? Well, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. This show was, was main evented <laughs> by Brock Lesnar's first match on broadcast television since 2004 as he challenged Kofi Kingston for the WWE title. Did he challenge him? Did he put up a challenge? Beating Kofi. In seven seconds. The fact that you're bringing this up almost makes me want to quit this podcast forever. (laughs) This one hurts. This one is really dumb. We had Kofi Mania a couple months back. He had a pretty decent run. Would I say it's one of the greatest all time? What is it? Solid? No. But fuck, like this was this was just cup in the balls of the Fox executives. Like it was just terrible. The first edition of dynamite aired two days earlier. Yeah. Boy, I wonder why in 2019, that was the year where I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm <laughs> out full time here. And then obviously like the pandemic and the whole Thunderdome shit didn't help, but it certainly right. made it easier uh, for me to not go back as a full time WWE fan. If you're asking me if I want to see that TNA main event <laughs> or watch Brock versus Kofi even one more time, I am going to go watch TNA. Even if I tell you that main event is 20 minutes and four seconds? Don't care. I honestly don't care. How It'll long take- How long was the Kofi Kingston match? 20 Seven seconds? seconds. Seven, Seven seconds. Yeah. He ran up to try and like... Uh, give him a forearm shiver and gets caught, gets put into an F5 one, two, three match over. Right. Like, 
you want to talk about burying somebody who you could actually build around. And we're not talking Luchasaurus now. We're talking Kofi Kingston. Even if I tell you what happened after this Impact main event. Why are you it was announced. <laughs> at the tapings, the, f- the next couple days later, three days later at the tapings. Uh, that were taped. By the way, so this is the paper used October 4th. This episode of Impact airs October 7th. Okay. But we're taped back at the end of July. Okay. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt Hardy, who wins the Impact title, the TNA title on this show, immediately vacates the title because of a legal injunction filed by former champion EC3, resulting in a tournament for the title. So you're asking me, knowing that, would I still watch the TNA main event? Yes. Rather, rather than sit through Brock Lesnar, Kofi Kingston one more time? Knowing that it ends with EC3 winning the title back from Matt Hardy in the finals of said tournament. Yes, and then three days I later, would. Matt Hardy beats him again. Toogie. <laughs> the fucking company sucked so much at this time. Holy shit. Which one are we talking about? Yes. (laughs) And with that, everybody, thank you for listening to another edition of the second Turnbuckle podcast. We'll give Crash a second to be able to end the show on the proper note. But of course, we will mention uh, you can find me everywhere at Tuki24. That's T-O-U-G-I-E 24. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch on a nightly basis. And, of course, you can catch uh, Crash Andrews still on the Twitter side of things. The not IRL account is, of course, at Crash underscore Andrews. Uh, and you, make sure to catch the drip the god himself on Twitter. The, U- <laughs> the YouTube. The YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash Crash Andrews. Um, also, uh, shout out to Tugi. I want you to release on YouTube you running through the the pay per view posters as pissed off as what as you were at whatever got you there. You need to release that because that was fucking impressive. I need to go you back. Still have I don't remember what stream it was on, but I need to find that yeah. mod and download it, and I can do it. We were spur of the moment asked to do a sporical quiz. Of every WWE pay-per-view poster ever. And I got the vast majority of them. Um, the only ones that really gave me trouble were the the NXT era posters. Yeah. Right. And the WrestleManias where they were only accepting Roman numerals. <laughs> yeah, WrestleMania 24. It's like, oh, 23, it's fine. But 24, you better fucking type Roman numerals. Fuck whoever made that quiz, by the way, for that stupid decision. Yeah, fuck you right in the ear. Uh, we yeah. leave you with another quote from Bobby Heenan, and because uh, we uh, we mentioned uh, Stu uh, Stu Hart, uh, uh, Stu Hart trained all of his kids. Only three of them use their litter box now. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>